Cougs house. All right. The Houston Cougars suffered what feels like a devastating loss to the transfer portal on Wednesday. I have to say, I'm also a little bit worried. Is this the last one? You are locked on Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Coug, daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Anthony. to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater who can step by, please be sure to hit subscribe down below. That way you get the latest on the Cougs in your news feed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Welcome back to the YouTube channel. It is good to see you again. Uh, We've been giving away things every 250 subscribers, and we just got over the 750 mark. Congrats to Bert, who won. Uh, the jacket is on the way. We're going to be giving out something else at 1,000. Uh, we're still figuring out what that is, but remember, the faster we get there, the bigger I think the prize will be. So to get there, A, hit subscribe so we get to 1,000, and B, make sure you're commenting and liking videos so we know what he gets stuff to. If, after talking about some transfer portal losses today, you're like... I don't quite know what I want to do or what I want to say about the Houston Cougar football program in the comments. Tell us uh, how many meals a day you could have breakfast tacos. I think my answer is four. So what I want to talk a little bit about is um, obviously the big news of the day Wednesday in the football program uh, was Cameron Johnson transferring out, uh, entering the transfer portal. We're going to talk about what all went into that in the first segment. Second segment, I want to talk a little bit about um, media availability this week and kind of how uh, Nick Avi and Patrick Paul both did not necessarily uh, have anything too terribly obvious for what was coming there. And then last but not least in the last segment, I want to talk some about what this does for the offensive line depth. Houston's offensive line is already a little thin. And so what does this do to impact things and what could this tell us about potential worse things to come? Um, so I want to talk a little bit about uh, Cameron Johnson leaving the conference. He was an, a third-team All-American Athletic Conference guard, uh, played left guard last season. Um, and after transferring, he was quoted uh, when asked about it as, I just feel like it was the time for me to part ways with the University of Houston. Uh, it was one of the hardest decisions I've ever made, but I know it was the right one. I'm excited for what the future holds, and I can't wait to get onto my unit. Now, admittedly, um, he was an all-conference starter. I think what's interesting is, is that statistically, I'm not sure he was one of the best offensive linemen that Houston had in their starting five. However, one of the strengths we've been talking about, you and I have been talking about, I should say, and I don't know if the national media is picking it up, but Houston moving into the Big 12 as well, they don't necessarily have a plethora of Big 12 linemen. Right. Um, and, and that is a thing. Moving into a Power 5 conference requires like having Power 5 linemen. They at least had the cohesiveness of having brought bringing back seven guys from the program a year ago, including five starters and then transferred Jalen Garth, who we will talk about some later, uh, who had to sit out from for eligibility reasons after the transfer last fall. That would be an eighth guy that was familiar with the system, the guys, the weight room, the, all those things. Right. Uh, veteran type guys. Continuing to lose those guys is a problem, right? Now, um, I say that to say that 
Cameron Johnson is a big, strong offensive lineman, 6'4", Three was it three oh five? Which for a college guard is a big guy. Um, it wouldn't have been that uncommonly big in a Power Five conference, but certainly one of his strengths was being a big, strong guy. Uh, pro Football Focus does different grades on all these positions, obviously. Um, and I thought it was interesting. We'll get to why it's interesting when we get to the Nagavi part in a moment. But his pass blocking grade per Pro Football Focus was a seventy nine point four, meaning he was doing the right thing at a like acceptable or better level, 79.4% of the time, that's very, very high. The average in these things are in the low 70s, high 60s at best. Like you'll see like an average player is probably more like in the 65, right, to 60 range. So a 79.4 is pretty strong uh, for his pass blocking plays. His run blocking grade was a 63.3. Um, that would imply that on his run blocking stuff, He's not quite necessarily in the right place as often as his pass blocking. Still better than average, right? That's why he's an all-conference guy. Um, but on the whole, it, it it didn't quite like add up to being the top end there. Uh, much better pass blocker than run blocker is the thing to take away from that. Uh, interesting that a 6'5", guy uh, was better at pass blocking as a guard. Of course, you think about pass blocking as a guard, it's a lot more of the defensive tackle types. Big, strong, wide to where you think of an offensive line having to like anchor down, sink their hips, and get under them, uh, as opposed to the more athletic stuff you see out at the edges. Um, whereas Cameron Johnson kind of has more of that athletic, you know, 6'5", 6'4", uh, 305. Um, you'd think he'd be a little bit lighter on his toes and some of your more stockily built guard. Not that, I mean, 6'4", 305 is pretty stocky, but it's not like 6'2", 315 like you see at some places. Um, it's not quite the same box shape. He's got a little bit more linked athleticism in his build. Um, and I guess theoretically he can do that with a three technique, but in working on a nose, a shade, a two, any of those interior type guys, um, you wouldn't be necessarily what I would have guessed. Um, I will say in watching him and watching Clayton Toons in the pocket last year, uh, it did feel like the left side, both Cameron Johnson and Patrick Paul gave Clayton Toon a lot of time, right? He could constantly sit back there patting the ball behind the left side of his line, uh, what we would call 61, 71, and 81 protection, where it's a short roll to the left, uh, and then the right side is doing more of a, a descending pass block, right, where they're kind of walling guys off. The right side, I'm sorry, and the left side kind of more firm because he's got that protection there. Long door, way to say that we will miss him. I'm not saying we won't miss him, but there were things that he was not – great at he was 13 while conference not first like so he was good but there were obviously things to continue to work on um the biggest loss to me here is that experience um it's frankly experience that it looks like other schools want within hours of entering the transfer portal even though it's like a little bit early to get involved in all that he already had offers from both cal and maryland and frankly by the time you're listening to this i'm sure it will have added up to being even more it's a big big loss again and power five schools that you know aren't quite Big Twelve schools, right? But like schools that have had good years and pro. I mean, like the Aaron Rodgers years where they had beast most of a cow were great, and like Maryland has had kind of like a wonky history depending on what conference they're in or whatever. Like they think that they can pull him in, turn him into something as well. So we'll see where he ends up. Frankly, Cameron, if you're listening, to this, I do wish you the best. Like I, I have no ill will. Like gotta, kids got to find the best fit for them and those kind of things. Not that kind of guy. Um, I just feel like the cohesiveness moving into the Big 12, all of those things like probably would have been 
the best situation for him in Houston. Um, Houston, even with the changes that they're doing in the sta- offensive staff, Holgerson is a guy that throws the ball a lot. He's a good pass blocker, Cameron is. Would have thought that like that all tied up together, and it doesn't sound like it did. In the second segment, I'm going to talk some about um, Iman Yagavi's interview or his media availability on Tuesday. Excuse me, on Tuesday, and like kind of pick up some tea leaves that might have been there. Also, Patrick Paul uh, gave a media availability, and like there might have been something even there. Talk about like things that are changing in the offensive line meeting room. However, first, we do have to talk a little bit about things that are changing here at Locked On because we are now partnered with FanDuel. If you have not heard yet, I don't know how, but we have been partnered with FanDuel. There's our new sports betting partner as of just a few weeks ago, and it is the midway point in the NBA season, and that means it's the perfect time to download FanDuel. It's great timing. America's number one sports book because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. That's right. You get a up to $1,000 bonus back if your first bet does not win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Think of it on everything from the money line to points scored and threes drained. Now, Houston does not play in the NBA on Thursday. The Houston men do not play a college basketball game on Thursday. Although I will say, if you're going to the games, your session two pass that gets you into the Friday set of games to watch Houston play will also get into the women's championship game on Thursday night. And Houston has a chance to win the American Athletic Conference tournament for the first time ever. This is a total sidebar. Go check that out. Um. I will say that the NBA game, though, and FanDuel that sparked my attention was that the uh, Golden State Warriors are only favored by two points in Memphis. Um, I get that the game is in Memphis, and like there's some animosity with Draymond Green and Dylan Brooks or something like that. I mean, those two guys jaw a lot. Um, but with all the chaos and turmoil surrounding Memphis and like not scaring anyone in the West and losing a bunch of games to teams in the West and the John Morant stuff that he's – going through and doing it's both sides of that i feel like two points is a really really close spread i get that golden states had struggles on the road this year but like steph's back i i i think they're gonna win by more than two points i'm telling you to take it i'm telling you to take it by more than two points and i'm telling you to do it at fanduel fanduel even lets you combine your bets for a bigger payout with same game parlay so don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars back in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right. So I said in the second segment, I want to talk some about Nagavi's media availability. It's available at UH Content Solutions, their YouTube channel. They put all those kind of things out. It's not like a secret thing. But after the Cameron Johnson news came out, I think it puts a different light on it. I think it sheds a different light on the program. And frankly, it might drop foreshadowing dun, 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 for like what could be coming as well down the line. Um, in the interview, it was the first time we've really gotten to heard a lot from Nagavi in a more casual setting. It was just, you know, guys, with their phones and microphones, um, you know, the quick little kind of things after practice and that kind of stuff. Um, and he plugged how much he's enjoyed being from Houston and working for Houston, he did mention that he is the only person in his family that did not go to the University of Houston. So it feels like they're all smarter than him and made a little joke with that and that kind of stuff. They also made some jokes about Katie and the fact that uh, the head football coach has been there since his senior season is his father-in-law that's kind of like been underlying under some of this kind of stuff and how that helps with recruiting. And then they tell, whoa, whoa, you also played for him and uh, all those kinds of things, right? Fun, jokey things, very normal conversation 
Um, I, I will say a couple things that like stuck out to me in it before we get to like the tea leaves here. Um, he said he respects Dane Hogerson as a program manager. Uh, he came to Houston to be in an offense that is uh, a play for an offensive guy like Dana um, and, and does have like the same kind of values that Dana puts into the offensive staff and those kind. Of, so all the right things to say. Um, he wants to have trust and depth and have the older guys playing their best because he feels like that's what he's going to really be like judged on as a coach in this first season is how much like he has a great offensive line. What's he turning them into at the time when he said that uh, we thought Cameron Johnson was going to be returning. He'd thus be returning all five starters and be pulling in a guy that a former four star that transferred in, right? Like those kinds of things you would think would be building towards a good offensive line season. And, And you may still, but a couple things he said or a couple things he hinted at that may have foreshadowed what ended up coming in Cameron Johnson and potentially more guys leaving is um, that he pushed like very intensely that his big focus is to bring physicality to running the football and to run the football more. He bluntly said it. And I didn't think of that as being too big of a surprise on Tuesday. I would have talked with you about it if I did. I, I've been able to predict he's going to run the ball more and want to run the ball more since hearing that we hired the Tulane guy. I mean, you saw Tulane play last year, right? Like, not a big deal. Um, but that targeted answer, when you then have a guy that is much better at pass blocking, leaving the next day, a starter at an all-conference one at that, that seems like they knew this was happening. Um, Rob Sellers of 24-7 Sports also put in some message boards that like he couldn't confirm it, but he had heard some of these kind of whispers um, throughout earlier parts of the week. I feel like that's what Nagavi was hinting at. It's like some guys are having to learn a new level of physicality for the kind of run game he's trying to go with, um, which, frankly, as a, a coach myself, that sounds awesome, right? Um, I, like I'm not saying he's wrong in doing that, but I wonder if it tells us about like what the disagreement between he and Patrick Ball, Paul may have been. Um, I also um, looked at this like comment he made about like building trust depth and wanting to get the older guys playing their best as older guys was interesting because like is he alluding to like there was some resistance from some of the older guys? I would imagine as a returning starter, Cameron Johnson would be one of said older guys. And what does that look like? Right. What, um, you know, what, what is going on between the two there? We're not in meeting rooms watching film. And I can tell you right now, I've been a form. I mean, I obviously played division three football many years ago, but the idea that like the criticism wouldn't be on the field with cameras, the criticism that the headbutting happens in film rooms and meeting rooms. And they're talking about practice film and breaking down like what happened there. And why did you do this? Why did you, that's when the severity of those kind of conversations kind of hits. Um, Across the bowl, uh, across the hole, um, I feel like there are other parts of Nagavi's interview were like fairly mundane. But those two things stuck out to me as like, did he hint at this in front of us without us really realizing it at practice or after practice on Tuesday? Right. Like, should someone have been picking up on like, ooh, something's about to shake down. He's changing things up. Um, Patrick Paul obviously like the best offensive lineman on the team. And um, if you're, if you're looking for like a good, good set of footwork out of a big fella, go watch Patrick Paul last season. That dude is good. Um, But as a leader of the offensive line group, right. Returning starter and all those things. um, 
he he also spoke to the media, uh, the available media after practice, and he said that he admitted it was going to be a big challenge when we go to the Big 12 and that he thought the work ethic was there, but the discipline needs to be better. Now, I took that Tuesday, and I still kind of take that as that Houston had so many penalties last season, and a lot of those penalties follow the offensive line. And for lay people that don't understand that, it's because the offensive line makes up half of the offense, right? Like, just by statistics, that's five of the 11 guys in the field, and then if a tight end at six, right? Those guys are just more likely to get penalties because that's a unit that makes up half the team, right? You don't think of, like, the receiver unit getting penalties because, A, there's maybe three of them on the field at a time, and B, you think of, like, an individual doing it, right? You think of them as a much more individual group. Um, I took that as the discipline he was talking about on Tuesday, and I still kind of think it probably is, but in the future, if I were to find out that that discipline was actually more like what's happening with um with Cameron or, or whatever like wouldn't be that surprised right like like okay like Cameron Johnson has fair share of penalties in the run game maybe that's what he's talking about right um Patrick Paul who was an advocate for Jones the predecessor to Iman Nagavi um said that he loves the Nagavi's techniques and he's been working on a stance and narrowing a stance and doing more to get his uh, like narrow stance get out of his body frame on things like uh blocks downfield and down and down blocks and that kind of stuff the guy was a big zone guy so with the backside of zone be doing the same kind of footwork so I, like, that makes a lot of sense to me especially as a left tackle you don't want the crazy elongated stance you're gonna be running the ball more all those things make a lot of sense um and then he mentioned that's a lot of the same concepts just in a different way i think he's re- referencing like terminology and things like that um and frankly I guess I overlooked that, but I guess Nugavi kind of said the same thing, right? He said that uh, the focus has been getting all parts of the run game, like the the backs, the line on the same page. And there was a new page, right? Because the terminology and kind of stuff's new. Patrick Paul kind of echoed that when he said that it's uh, same concept, different way. And Patrick Paul was quick to point out after saying that, and that's a good thing, right? It seemed like going, and because he went out of his way to say that, like Patrick Paul was in favor of some of these changes where like, other guys might not have been. Um, again, I'm trying to read tea leaves here because like, this felt kind of like shaking of the program in a little bit, uh, for a little bit, right? Um, this does not change a lot of things. Houston, even if everyone stayed on the roster, need to go chase offensive alignment in the next transfer portal window in a couple weeks, right? That was never going to change. That was always going to be a goal, et cetera. However, with a starter leaving, it projected a starter, I should say. I assume he was going to start again next year leaving. You got to imagine that Houston is even thinner and even more in desperation of going out to get someone new. So in the third segment, I would like to talk a little bit about what that depth chart looks like for the University of Houston up front. So let's jump on into it. Um, I feel like you got to point out that also Chase Todd, who got a little bit less run, uh, obviously, a redshirt junior, also transferred out. Um, I don't have inklings or inclinations that he and um, Cameron Johnson were friends or friendly outside of the fact that they were teammates, but I don't have that, any information that they weren't either. Like I could see it very well being like, oh, my buddy's out of here too. I'm going to out of here, right? Um, when I look at like depth chart and what Houston does to replace these guys up front, um, replacing Cameron Johnson is hard, right? He was a starter at left guard and Guard is a unique position. It's not quite the athlete of a tackle, right? Because you're not doing the same kind of athletic things in space and keeping up with 
defensive linemen and one-on-one pass blocking, those kinds of things. You kind of have to have someone, especially in this run game that Nagavi ran at Tulane, where we're constantly like trying to dig out and scoop out uh, like shades and that kind of stuff. Big, big guys. You kind of have to be a little nasty. Um, you got to find someone who's got a little bit of that stuff, like you know, like like snarl and that kind of stuff. Um, just in them, just innately, like you got to. That's hard to coach and put into somebody, right? Um, when I look at guys on the roster. My initial thought was, does Tank Jenkins come back and play uh, on the left side? Now, so Tank Jenkins, you remember, transferred from AM back in the pandemic um, and then sat out the pandemic season, um, but didn't lose any eligibility, obviously. Came back in 2021 as a sophomore and started all 14 games. And 2021 was a great Houston Cougar football season, right? Like, that he started at right guard in all those games feels important. And then last year, um, he played in suited up for all 13 games but only started and won the utsa game right he to further this issue like he played just 260 snaps in 2021 he played over a thousand in uh 20 sorry he played just over 260 snaps in 2022 played over a thousand in 2021 right that discrepancy tells me something was going on between him and brandon jones or the staff or you know, someone else needed to play more or whatever, right? Something happened between those two seasons. Um, and it could be as simple as pulling new guys in the roster too. I don't mean to say it wasn't. Um, however, I wonder if it's time for him to step up for his senior season and move to left guard and be back to that guy that has high pass have high pass blocking ratings and high run grades and those kinds of things, but just move from right to left. Um, I'm also intrigued by big fellow named Jalen Garth. I mentioned him at the top of the show. Jalen transferred in from the University of Texas at the end of last summer, um, but was ruled ineligible on a late transfer. That's the way it goes. But he did practice and do all those kinds of like he was involved with the team in a way since then. Um, and in doing that, I felt like obviously they've changed coaches that might negate the comfort he had, but it also means that like he while he didn't get a whole lot of reps and playing time last year, he is a guy. I mean, he was a 2020 high school grad. So what does that make him kind of a freshman, kind of a sophomore? Like he is kind of a junior, kind of a sophomore as far as like where his eligibility goes and those kinds of things. I'm uh, sorry, 2019, sorry, grad 2019. Um, but he, he's on the veteran side. So I'm getting at like, he's been in college a while, even if he didn't play a lot of games last season and didn't get into the depth chart at the University of Texas, Austin. Now, I have to say about going to University of Texas, Austin, they've had plenty of four-star kids come through there, not play well on campus, and then end up being good somewhere else or good in the NFL or whatever, right? I don't seem to weigh, I personally, I don't seem to, I personally don't weigh guys with four and five stars coming out of high school and not making it at a school like that, right? Again, like whatever you want to say about them, they take four-star and five-star guys every year. And so they get disinterested with a guy like Jalen very quickly. And it's like, well, we'll just play the next four-star. And like, you know, they've won one title since integration. It's like, that's their own thing. But um, with that said, Jalen Garth may still be a four-star caliber NFL potential type of product, right? Um, he played tackle in high school and he's listed at, what's he got here? 6'5", 309. So like, uh, slightly larger. I wonder if you could move him in the left guard, left guard spot as well, um, depending on the kinds of things that 
he has developed into being good at. It's been a while since anyone we've seen him play, but in watching his high school tape, he kind of seemed to have that like when I talk about the snarl and like messed it, like grr kind of grill or right, like he kind of seemed to have that kind of stuff as a high school kid. Can you get that back out of him at this level? Um, for what it's worth, like he didn't get a whole lot of snaps at UT Austin, but he did see what Big Twelve football in practice looked like. Like he understands the like task at hand in that sense. Um, and frankly, there's part of me in the back of my mind that wonders: is part of the reason Cameron Johnson left because he saw the writing on the wall with a guy like Jalen Garth, right? Like we've got this guy on campus and he can do a lot of these things and he's already been in the big 12 and I need to find somewhere I can start, right? Like I would not be surprised if it came out next fall, if that was actually the plan the whole time. Right. Um, I don't have any information on that being the plan. I just could see that happening. I'm excited to see Jalen Garth looks like in the spring game on April 7th. Um, Frankly, it'll be interesting to see what the line situation looks like on April 7th, because as we continue to see linemen leave, I'm worried that you have 10 of them to go five on one side and five on the other in in April of 20, uh, April 7th. Right um, now with that said, they'll find somebody to play the game. I mean, they won't, but this does typically happen with the changing of position coaches. Houston is not unique in that, right? It's a little unique that's happening now, but Houston is not unique in the sense that you lose guys from particular positions. As you change position coaches, kids feel a loyalty to the guy that recruited them in. Right. That's totally, totally normal. Uh, Speaking of guys that feeling loyal to who recruited them in, I wonder if there's some way that we see this kid on the field named Jasper Parks. Jasper Parks is a big Juco recruit. Um, Juco transfer a 6'7, 315. So he is not, he decidedly not a guard that is too tall to be a guard. Um, Just a lot of angles to get down as low as a guard needs to be to dig guys out in the run game. However, could you see a shuffling of offensive linemen around and him playing somewhere else at tackle? Potentially, right? Um, I don't know what's going to happen there. I, I'm going to keep an eye on it. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure. So you're listening to this Thursday morning. By the end of Thursday's practice, I'm sure someone has asked, right? So pay attention to the message boards. Pay attention to the people reporting. The, the answer may, may be as simple as being out later today. But it was interesting to see the world get shocked by this and how this trickled into a bunch of different avenues all around the Houston Cougar football program, especially at a time when there's so many other programs to be paying attention to on campus, right? It felt almost like a Friday news dump as Houston's heading into the weekend of college basketball, right? Uh, In that weekend of college basketball, we need to point out that if you're listening to the show, you got this point, first of all, thank you, but also Please, 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 please support the women's college basketball team. Uh, they are in the American Athletic Conference tournament final for the first time ever. Uh, they probably need to win it to get into the big dance. Uh, you know, Layla Blair is great and fantastic, and the team is a ton of fun. Um, go check them out, please. Huey's a great coach as well. Um, so go check them out. Uh, the game is at 8 o'clock central time. Uh, so adjust your own time zones. If you are going to Fort Worth for the men's tournament starting Friday at noon, your session two ticket is supposed to also work for the women's championship game on Thursday night. That's what the all the publications from U of H say. That's what the website says. So if they don't let you in, start fighting with them about it, I, like verbally, right? But they should let you in to so go check that out. Go cheer them on in the championship game. Get an American Conference title championship on your way out the conference. What better way to do it? And then go turn around and cheer on the boys on 
Friday afternoon. Uh, we're talking all things Houston Cougars. Hopefully a hopefully a women's and men's conference championship all day, every day at Painsworth five one two and on this show. So you can find me at Painsworth five one two P A I N S W R T H five one two and all of your various social media handles. We talk happy to talk all things Cougar football, basketball. I guess I guess I got to pick up the baseball bats a little bit and talk about baseball too. We'll see um, all things spring football, all things transfer portal. We got to get back to talk some of the Big 12 because I think there's going to be some big news in the near future with all the conferences meeting up and those kinds of things too. Uh, we got to talk about Houston Rockets and Astros and those kind of things. If you want to find me on Twitter, I'll be happy to talk about those there as well. I got a wall of Jordans behind me. I love to talk sneakers. So, no, I mean, I don't hit on the sneakers app a whole lot. I, I mean, I do a little bit, obviously. But anyway, find me on Twitter, social media, all, all those kind of things at Painter 512. Talk about all of that. Thanks so much for listening to Locked on Cougs today and making us your first listen. If you're looking for a second listen, let me recommend Locked on Big 12. He's doing a great job, Josh is over there, about talking about both the Big 12 basketball tournament happening, which isn't necessarily like the most pertinent to us right now. It will be a year from now. But he's also talking a lot about the conference realignment stuff in his other episodes and doing a great job of talking about that. So make sure you check that out to get the latest on what the conference will look like. Thank you again, again, again for subscribing, downloading, doing all the wonderful things that help out the podcast. Locked on Cougs is a proud member of Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Go Cougs.